Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Today we are going to look at the life of Abraham. He was a man of faith who took God at his word. His whole life was a testimony to his faith in God, choosing to follow him and the promises that he gave to him. Part two of Cheryl's message titled, Activating Faith. They lived righteous lives, pleased God, and came into alignment with all of God's plans. Again, told you, repetition. So you're going to go out going, okay, Cheryl, assured, embraced, confessed. They assured, they were assured by God's word. They personalized God's word, embraced it. And they aligned their life, confessing God's word, aligning their life and their lifestyle, their attitudes with God's word. Abraham, Hebrews 11, 8 through 19. Abraham's life spoke of his faith in God. And it's seen in his persuasion or his assurances of God's promises. He believed in the reality of God. And he went to the place God called him, having never been there, having never seen it, not even knowing the how to get there, he embraced it. He personalized it. This is God's promise to me. And it's also seen in the offering up of Isaac as he gave God's promises back to God. What we're going to see in this portion of scripture is faith makes us fully dependent on God. The assurance is not on my ability to believe, but because God said it, it is so. It is not on my ability to to walk it out or you never have a doubt. Faith rest completely on what God does and has done. It's all on God. You see, if faith is about how much I believe, then faith becomes dependent on me again. Like, oh my goodness, I have to, I have to believe enough. I have, a, I have to believe enough to activate God's word. No, I only have to know this is God's word personalize it, align my life with it, and then faith will do everything. Because God's word cannot, will not fail. But faith brings me into alignment so that these promises can become my promises, can work for me. Abraham was assured by God's word. 
He embraced God's word and went out not knowing where he was going. He trusted God to get him to a better destination. As we read in verse 8 and 9, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would afterward receive as an inheritance. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. You see, for Abraham, faith was not a one-off. It was a confession. It was a lifestyle. You know, sometimes you're like, well, I believed God in 1972. And now I'm believing me. You know, now I've got this, this savings account. Now I own my own house. I don't make car payments and I have solar electricity, so I'm fine. I collect my own rainwater. Faith is not a one-off. Faith is the way we live our entire lives. Abraham didn't seek to go to the land of promise and build a house or build a city or establish himself in the promise. He chose to get there, but to continue to live by faith. It was a confession. It was a lifestyle. Faith was not just Abraham's destiny. It was a continual journey, a continual adventure. He didn't own any property but a grave. He didn't build any home but lived in a tent. He didn't create any city and name it after himself, as his brother Haran had done. His brother had gone to a city, founded a place, and named it after himself. Abraham didn't do that. He lived as a stranger and sojourner in his own inheritance. Abraham aligned his life with God's word and confessed his confession, his lifestyle, bespoke of a pilgrimage on the earth which testified that he believed in a better homeland. This was not his permanent residence. This is not where he was settling down and settling in. Faith is the absolute assurance that heaven is real because God's word tells us that it is real. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 5 through 7, it says, Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, prepared us for heaven, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. Therefore, we are always confident, always assured, knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, assured, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from this body and be present with the Lord. We are assured of a homeland in heaven, of a place prepared for us. And we embrace heaven on earth by following God's directives to get there, to get there. Personally, I think about heaven a lot. 
And I have aligned my life with that heavenly reality to please God here because the rest of my life will be about pleasing God. I have aligned my life with heaven because it's my ultimate destiny. Sometimes I think about the treasure I have in heaven. I think about the day that I'll get to see my dad again. Young, robust, with a full head of hair. I'll see him. I I think about the day I get to see my Aunt Isi again with her tambourine. I'm just sure she took it to heaven. She wanted to be buried with her cornet and her tambourine. And I'll get to see her again. Some of my favorite people are in heaven with Jesus. But I know I am so assured that I will see them again. And that's where my heart is because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think back on how my dad's body began to break down. It was not one stroke. It was many strokes. And then there was back surgery. After his back surgery, you don't know this, but he flatlined at home. And the paramedics had to be called in and revive him. Knee surgery, cancerous tumor, chemo, radiation, weakness, oxygen machine, surgeries. I remember um, the family insisted on a viewing and going and, and looking at that body in the coffin and knowing that is not Chuck Smith. That no longer represents him. Didn't even look like him. Looked like some Czechoslovakian tailor. Didn't look like him. It was stiff and it was cold. And the corpse wasn't smiling. And my dad smiled constantly. Constantly. My dad was filled with joy and loved to laugh. But as I told you before, the Lord gave me a dream. And in my dream, I saw my dad robust and handsome and energetic, enjoying all the adventure of heaven. That is what I am assured of. That is what I have embraced, knowing the truth. And that is how I'm aligning my life. It is not a delusion. It is a far greater reality than this earthly pilgrimage. And Abraham was assured of the celestial reality. Abraham recognized it as his city, not just the city for the righteous, but his city, the place that he was destined to go. And he aligned his life. The confession of his life was that he was going there. Abraham died. He didn't see these promises, but he didn't need to because he, he didn't see them happen during his lifetime, but he saw them afar off. My Aunt Isi came to Vista and we had just bought what had been called the Happy Home Center. It was like a Home Depot that went out of business. And we bought it to build our church in. And at this point, there was nothing in the building except for a styrofoam hammer that was like 20 feet long and, you know, 10 feet wide that was hanging on a wall. That was it. 
And the board members were all meeting um, to pray over the building. And this was at Christmas time. And she came down. She said, I want to see this place. And so I took her over there. And there's our board. And they're all sitting on a concrete floor just praying and dedicating the building to the Lord. And when you walked in, there were no walls. So you would just see the whole scope of the building with, with one view. And I remember, and I remember my NEC was about 4'11". She probably weighed 150 pounds. Not a tiny thing, but a tiny thing. And lined from the, the Arizona summers with little granny glasses and curly gray hair. And at this point, she was 84 years old. And she looked at me and her eyes were listening. And I'll never forget. She looked at me and she said, I see it. Oh, glory to God. I see it. Hallelujah. God has allowed me to see it. And he will do great things here. She saw it. You know, we had outgrown our little church that seated 250 people. We had three services every Sunday. We had grown it out. We built the sanctuary to hold 800 so we could have one service. In the meantime, between selling the church and being able to move into our new building, we met at Bringle Terrace Park and we decided to have one service. But at Bringle Terrace Park, at a park, right? With a service outdoors and we did Sunday school, and we did all ages in one fell swoop in this auditorium at Bringle Terrace Park. We had to go to two services. We thought, wow, that never happens when you're outdoors and you know, in transition, two services. Our first Sunday, we packed the church out with standing room only. And the fire department came. They'd come to our old church all the time because we were too crowded. Now they came to our new church and said, you have to do something about this. We were already renting two parking lots. And they said, you have to do something about it. It's too crowded. It's too crowded. And we're like, okay. So we went to three services. Three services. And of course, first service was about three quarters of the way full, but the other two were absolutely full. My aunt saw it. She saw it. She never experienced it because she died that February. But she saw it. She embraced it. And she confessed it. This is the reality. This is what God will do. Died in faith. Died in faith. I can tell you one more story before we move on. When we were on the first trip to Israel for us in Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, Everyone was being baptized in the Jordan. You have to wear white robes. The Jordan River baptismal site is really special to me because it was Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa that gave the money to Israel to build that. My dad got a private audience with um, the prime minister of Israel years ago, Begin. And, you know, Begin is saying, you know, thank you for your support of Israel. Don't ask me what accent is. That's my imitation. That's as good as it's going to get. And he said, what could Israel do for you? You know, Chuck and Calvary Chapel. And my dad said, well, you know, I saw this plot of ground. Nothing's on it. Right by the Jordan River. It's not too far from the Galilee. I think we could make it a baptismal site. I want you to make a baptism site for any Christian 
group that comes over, that they could be baptized there in the Jordan River. And he said, not only do I, I, I want you to do this, we as Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa will underwrite and pay for it. And I only have one stipulation. And, and Bacon said, all right. He said, I don't want my name on it because this is for the kingdom of God and all of God's people. I don't want any dedication to Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, but this is dedicated to the kingdom of God and his son, the Messiah, and for any who believe in the Messiah to come and be baptized. And Bacon said, all right. Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa gave that money. The baptismal site is there. The only thing you can find of my father there is a poster with him baptizing and a tree that has a little plaque to him. But there's other trees with plaques, but that's my daddy. And I remember, because it was the first time I had seen this baptismal site done, going to Israel and seeing it and almost collapsing on my knees. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the real story I want to tell. The story I want to tell is there we are. And I realized all these people on our trip are getting baptized and we don't have a photographer taking their pictures. So I took out my little phone and I started taking pictures. And it was a couple that was getting baptized and I somehow hyper-focused on this couple. Don't ask me why. And so we get on the bus And she's sitting behind me and she said, oh no, I didn't get one picture of our baptism. And I said, I don't want you to think I'm a stalker, but I I took some pictures of you being baptized with my phone. She's like, you what? No stalker. I just took pictures of you being baptized. And she said, how many? And I said, well, you were the first one I started taking pictures of. So somewhere under 30 and over 20. She started crying. I gave her my phone and she started downloading all my pictures onto her phone. She said, you don't understand how important this is to me. My husband comes from a Christian family. I was an ardent atheist. She's a a professional. She's highly educated. She's got a doctorate. And she said, I told that woman, I'm going to marry your son and I'm going to make him an atheist. And she said, I was so mean to my future mother-in-law. And she said, I wasn't the daughter-in-law any mother would want for her son. She said, but this one day I, I, you know, I walked in and I was just kind of like, I've got him, you don't, to the mother. And she said, my mother-in-law was smiling at me, said, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You are God's will for my son. And she said, I looked at her and I said, how can that be? She said, God gave me a vision of you and my son being baptized. You are going to walk with Jesus Christ and be a blessing to my son. And I'm so excited to embrace you as my daughter-in-law. She said, that woman loved me. As obnoxious as I was, she only loved me. She said, I received Jesus after my mother-in-law died. And I never saw myself coming to Israel. But she said, as I was in line and about to be baptized, I thought my mother-in-law was right. This is what she saw. This is the vision that Jesus Christ gave her. 
And I said, and I was the photographer. This is what happened with Abraham. It wasn't his experience, but he saw it and he aligned his life. This mother-in-law aligned her life, her attitude towards this young girl, according to the promise of God. And she lived in the joy, in the joy of that baptism. Abraham aligned his life with a better place, a heavenly place. So he never, ever returned Never returned to Haran or Ur. There he could have had a house. There he would have had familiar circumstances. And then we're told, because Abraham lived like that, because this was his testimony. In verse 16, because he desired a better, that is a heavenly country, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God said, because you've done that, I will associate with you. Isn't that incredible? God associates. God wants others to know he loves us. We are his beloved. God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were his own. And you could throw them into a fire and God would walk with them and make sure that all that happened was that their captors were burned up. Their bindings were burned off. But these men were untouched by the fire and became the men upon whom the fire had no power. God associated in the fire with these young men. God is willing to associate with us when we choose to walk by faith. This is how he associates with us. Moving to verse 11, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Can you imagine at 90 years old becoming pregnant, having never before conceived after being barren for 89 years, well after menopause, well after hot flashes, aged, she received strength not only to conceive, but to be pregnant. Pregnancy is hard. You have to be careful that you don't lose that child. Birth is traumatic. I remember you taking those birth classes, having my first child, and you're feeling the need to push and Brian's saying, this is the fun part. He almost died. Had I not been pregnant, distracted, he would have died. She conceived strength, not only to conceive, but to birth and then to nurse, nurse and care for a baby and a toddler. I'm 58 years old and I have, I love, 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 love my grandkids. I had a sleepover with three of them and at two o'clock in the morning, they're like, grandma, grandma. And I said, yes. They said, is it time to wake up? I said, 
no. And they said, then why are you awake? How was Sarah able to conceive, to give birth? Because she was fully assured God's promise, God's word is true. She embraced it. Faith is something that is available to all of us because it's all about God. Faith isn't about the amount of belief we have, but rather what we put our belief in. Abraham had faith and was assured by God's word. That's what his faith was in. He aligned his life with it and embraced it. He went out not knowing where he was going, but trusted God to get him to a better destination. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents as he waited for the promise, the city which has a foundation whose builder and maker is God. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll continue our look at the patriarchs as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.